hello and welcome to Stand and Deliver, a JoJo podcast. This week we discuss episode 33 of season 4 and episode 35 of Resha Sentai Tokshur, the train one. Operator, oh could you help me place this car? See the number on the matchbook is old and faded. Larry Davis, co-host of Stand and Deliver. What else is new? George Brendel, co-host of Stand and Deliver. Uh, well, not much. I make a mistake every day of my life. Uh, I, I believe it was the great Agent Dale Cooper that said, treat yourself to a mistake every day. Yep, that's exactly what he said. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, Special Agent Dale Cooper played by uh, Kyle MacLachlan, who is the goodest boy who ever existed. I watched Dune. Oh, you still did? Why would I do this? I don't know. You said you were going to. <laughs> and I was like, ha ha ha, yeah, okay. I, I watched the hell out of it. Uh, that movie already has a long runtime. With the pacing in that movie, it is interminable. Yeah. Holy shit. I I can't believe I'm saying this. I've never felt more confused by a David Lynch movie. Really? Yes. So, like, a lot of David Lynch movies are intentionally vague, and they do not give you a lot of answers. Something like Mulholland Drive, which is, um, you know, kind of about, like, this woman having a sort of disassociative identity disorder thing going on. Like, that movie is very difficult to follow, and it's very intentional that it is difficult to follow because it keeps with the uh, with the tone and kind of the message of the movie. Dune, on the other hand, is just, yo, we took a book that has a lot of information inside of it and tried to cram all of that into two hours, so these characters are just talking about a bunch of bullshit that has answers to it, but we're not going to give you any of that. I mean, famously... When that movie came out, they were handing out, like, giant books to people as they went into the theater so they would know what was going on, as though they were going to be able to read that while watching the movie. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that they did that. Yeah. Oh, but that, it, that makes a lot was, more sense. It was only in, like, preview screenings, I think, or something. But yeah, they were just handing out, like, these thick pamphlets to everybody. Here's your fucking Dune primer. Yeah, read this uh, to find out what Baron Harkonnen is up to. Re uh, find uh, out the origin of Sting's Speedo. So, I have a friend who uh, is way into Dune, the, the novel. And so I was kind of asking her as I was watching this movie what a lot of this stuff meant. And uh, 
as she put it to me, she watched the Dune movie before she read the book and she hated it. Then she read the book and watched the movie again, and now she loves the movie. And so she was saying that she thinks it's a it's a thing where that movie is made for people who already are intimately familiar with that universe so they could go into it and they understand exactly what is sure i mean that's also the movie that made david lynch stop making big budget movies forever (laughs) i didn't get around to it but i wanted to look up like i needed him to explain himself after watching it so i i haven't got to that yet but i want to like find out you know, kind of like a post-mortem from David Lynch on, like, what the fuck he thinks about Dune. I don't think he's that uh, fond of it. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I, I still like that uh, big Ed from Twin Peaks shows up to save uh, Kyle MacLachlan's character at one point. Of course, David Lynch cast himself in a role in the movie as uh-huh. well. Um, I One thing that I made sure to ask my friend was... Is there a scene in the book where the Baron is flying around in circles laughing while someone milks a cow in the background? And she assured me, no, that's just in it for David Lynch. Of course. That's unique to the movie. I wouldn't expect anything less. Um, but I I actually really like love the way that movie looks, which is the main reason why I wanted to actually get around to watching it. Like the set design and the costume design. And the fact that the soundtrack is by Toto is all awesome. But that giant uh, giant eraser head baby in the jar. Space eraser head baby. Yeah. Uh, but there were, like, part of watching that too was, like, having it dawn on me that all these things I was already aware of came from Dune. Uh, I had no idea that if you, if you walk without rhythm, you won't attract the worm was not a fat boy slim original. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's talking about the sandworms. As as my friend put it, that entire song is about Dune, and I had no idea. Yeah, it's also, um... Did you not know that was where Let the Spice Flow is from? Nope. Great. That's the first time that, uh, that's also, uh, Fear is the Little Death. Yep. Or no, Pain is the Little Death. Didn't no, know Fear is the Mind Killer. Yeah. Um... Yeah, Fear is the Mind Killer. I didn't know it was from that. Uh, Dale Cooper, I believe, even says in Twin Peaks, uh, let it, uh, what is it, let it flow over you and pass through you, which is also from Dune. Okay. Um, And so the thing that really blew my mind, having played Snatcher recently, no idea that Random Hajil is just 100% a carbon copy of, um, of Sting's character. Yep. Like, just straight up, Hideo Kojima saw Dune, because of course he did. And he just took the character wholesale and put it in Snatcher. Yeah, I mean, it's just like how in Metal Gear 2, you know, Big Boss was Sean Connery. And all that stuff, so. They had to change all the portraits at some point, because it was actionable. Mm Mm-hmm. Except they they never changed the box art for Metal Gear 1. uh, Nope. Even though it's very clearly... Kyle from Terminator, but yeah, no, Dune. Uh, Dune's a crazy movie, man. Never would have guessed. I I love how many times you just get Kyle McLaughlin whispering in your ear to explain what is going on, like just to give a little bit of context to the audience, like when uh 
Sting's blade pops out and he just goes, That blade is poisoned. That blade is poisoned. Get the it? sleeper has awakened. Dune is, uh... Dune is garbage. Is it? Or is it good? I don't know. I can't It's bad. Tell. It's terrible. It is a it is a very interesting movie to look at. It has uh, got nothing else going for it. Well, great. Uh, we watched JoJo. I don't remember exactly what happened in this one because it's been like a week. Yes, uh, we did some E3 stuff, which uh, you may be able to check out if that interests you. I will on insert the links in the description yeah. if you want. Yes. Well, I mean, otherwise, why do we do it? It's a good Other question. It's like the milking cow and the laughing baron. That's just for us. Yeah. I especially appreciate that, that there's lawn mowing going on around here. Mm-hmm. I can hear. Yeah. Most of it's not being picked up, but... Okay. I didn't want to bring it up because I didn't want you to do the whole, like, ah, my noise gate thing. Um... Yeah. Uh, before we get to JoJo's, uh, very, very quickly, though, to end my uh, movie talk, I followed have Dune hurry, up. Because I, have, I have an hour and 15 minutes. Okay. Well, I just wanted to say I followed Dune up with Clue, and that is a very. That is a very what? Good movie. Oh. Clue is fantastic. Yeah, Clue's good. Yeah. Got the uh, late, great Tim Curry in it. Which ending did you see? Uh, I did I actually didn't get a chance to finish it. I'm about <laughs> half an hour away. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. It's a great movie. Shit. Don't know it how came it up. How's that work? Uh, no, I am curious what the actual ending that Amazon goes with is. So I will. It, uh... it might be the one where it just plays all of them. Because there is, I think that's how the DVD is. I don't know because like the the length it is on Amazon is only like 95 minutes. I mean, the endings are like a minute. They are okay. I it has been a extremely long time since I watched Clue, so I don't remember like anything about it. I believe the canonical one is Professor Plum. Mm. But I don't know. Well, me either. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Speaking of mysteries, who's the informant in the Coliseum? Uh. Is it Jotaro? No. no. Muhammad Abdal? Well, he's dead. Oh. Is it Iggy? He's also dead. Also a dog. I should have seen that. Well, I should have put that one together. Is it Joseph Joestar? Well, he's probably dead, or at least senile. Did Kakyoin fill up the hole in his stomach and go to Rome? Nope, also dead. Well, then I just don't know who else it could be. Paul Nareff, our boy GP. Yeah, this is a Paul Nareff episode mostly. Yeah. Uh, But we start out with Butrati. He's still in really bad shape, and uh, we 
Doppio is about to kill him, but he kind of realizes, like, oh, wait a second, he's here for a reason. I should follow him for a little bit so I can find out who this person is that they're going to meet or, like, what their plan is, and then just shut it all down. Um, so he's helping him out, and we kind of, uh, we quickly learn here that uh, Butrati is completely deaf and he is completely blind. Uh, so he doesn't know who this guy is, and he's almost getting hit by cars and stuff, uh, and so Doppio has to kind of help him out. Uh, but as they get near the Coliseum, Dapio sees Mista and Trish and Giorno, and he kind of holds off and starts thinking, like, oh, I sh should probably kill this guy, actually. Yeah, he says that, uh, so he can't see objects, but he can see souls, and so he could see the souls of people in the cars, which I guess, uh, he still almost gets hit by a car, so. Yeah, <laughs> we can still walk towards them anyway, these, these souls moving at 35 miles an hour. Yeah. You know, a brisk walking pace. Okay, whatever. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Risotto ends up getting another phone call, which is fantastic, too, just because his eyes wig out and go in, like, opposite directions. Mm -hmm. And Butcherati is just like, are you okay? What? What are you doing? Uh, and so, yeah, the the boss is, he's the one who's filling him in on the whole Souls thing and uh, tells him, like, you know, Bucciarati doesn't suspect you right now because he sees my daughter's soul in you. Gee, I wonder why. And so Bucciarati is uh, viewing Dapio as Trish. Um, yeah, he's like, oh, I guess it was you this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Bucciarati, I think, um, also has some bad brain damage here. Well, his, his, his brain rotting. is, yeah, is probably like rapidly dying yeah um, but they enter the stadium uh and Poland ref is uh kind of up a distance and uh <laughs> there's a good bit here where he's just like hey who's this guy that you're with and the butcherati is like hi and so Dapio, uh panicking just goes like yeah, so what the hell if I'm a girl? You got a problem with that? Well, specifically, uh, Diavolo tells him to say that. Yeah. It's a good bit, and though. Then, yeah, because then Paul Rip is just like, oh, I'm really sorry, I didn't mean to, I'm, like, I, I'm I, trying to I offend apologize. anybody. Yeah, I... It's not my intention to misgender you, ma'am, I'm very sorry. Yes, Polnareff does not want to be cancelled. <laughs> Dapio calls him out on Twitter later. Yeah. Um, so Polnareff has one of the stand arrows on him, and we get like a, a brief flashback. Uh, it's actually Dapio, or well, the boss's flashback about how he was uh, just digging around in Egypt once upon a time and uncovered these uh, arrows, and then a nice old lady with two right hands, uh, decided to buy the whole box of arrows off of him, but he kept one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just started stabbing so many people with it, as you do. Yeah, so that's kind of the thing um, back in part four when the arrow first appeared, and I mentioned that there would be some weird retconning and stuff later on. This is what I was talking about, that Diavolo was the original, like, he was who found the arrows to begin with, and gave them to Inyaba. Yeah. So, 
indirectly responsible then for Dio getting the world. Yep. Technically, yeah. Diavolo is like the big bad of all of JoJo, essentially, because I think everything after this is like not really related to all of that. Hmm. But yeah, he uh, because he's doing this flashback, he also knows that like there were people looking for him and the arrows, and we see a. Look, I'm used to seeing Jotaro in a very certain way. Yes, I really like seeing him and Polnareff in this twink style. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say it, but I'm glad you did instead. <laughs> well, what yeah, else are you going to call being... it? Yeah, sure. No, instead of them being big beefcakes, uh, they have lost all of their muscle mass and are very slim and very pretty now. Use a corn-fed um... fool with a lot of muscle mass... It's a quote from Black Dynamite. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's also not surprising because I don't know that they were supposed to be... Well, they're always supposed to be tall because they say yes. that the Joestars are tall. But, you know, like, if Araki draws Jonathan and Joseph Joestar now, he also draws them twink-like, so... Yeah. Eh, you know. Yeah, they were always supposed to be big muscle boys. That's something that with... Part four gradually uh, changes in the manga because I've seen plenty of pictures of just like, here's what Josuke looked like at the start of it. Here's what he looks like at the end of it, yeah, and it's even pretty much night and day. That the second hardcover just got solicited, and even the yeah. cover of that, he looks very different than he does on the cover of the first one. Yeah, and and so I have uh, actually meant to go grab it from the other room. Uh, maybe we'll do this during the transition over to. Uh, Tokusasu roulette because uh, there's something I wanted to read out of the back of that. Um, but yeah, like the very early parts of that story, Joe's K looks not at all like you would expect him to, just based on most of the media that goes around for part four. Yeah, like straight up, just looks like Jotaro with a pompadour. Yep. Um, but yeah, that, that apparently changes. But it, obviously with the anime, they're not going to like gradually change that. They're going to pick a style that meets in the middle somewhere and then go with that. And so what I'm accustomed to until this moment in time is Big Boy Jotar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they I mean, end up going they did in... They that before, though. Like in, um, in Part 4, when they had a flashback to the Part 3 stuff, they also looked more like Part 4 characters. Yeah, that's true. It's it's consistent, so that's good. Like, even though those designs are changing from how you would remember them from that specific part, it's still consistent with the part that you're in. And yet, it would be funny if they did this flashback and they looked exactly as they did in part three. <laughs> that's true. That would be pretty good. Um, Yeah, so they end up going off in two different directions, uh, Jotaro and Polnareff. And Polnareff basically ends up in Italy and starts learning about the uh, boss's gang that he is. He has at that point pretty much gotten to a place where he feels he has perfected uh, his operation, that it is it is full and robust, and that is when Polnareff shows up. Um, they end up fighting on like a, a cliff, and... The boss makes the mistake of revealing more or less how a stand power works to him before believing that he kills him. Like, it's surprising that it doesn't, because uh, Polnareff gets freezed. Yeah, like he gets both his legs cut off. Uh, I gouged uh, out. Lose, 
loses an arm, I believe. Yeah, and like fingers or something from another one. It's, it's like Not there's a whole many lot left of pieces. No. But like he's just down there on a rock and it's brutal. Oh yeah, like because on top of it, losing all these limbs, he drops a significant distance and lands directly on his back on a rock. Yeah. I don't understand how he did not die. Like, because even by JoJo's standards, that's rough. He's Polnareff. Polnareff is great. Polnareff is eternal. Polnareff will live forever. Well. Or at least until the end of this episode. <laughs> yeah, had a good run. <laughs> yeah. Poor Jean-Pierre. Um... That's something I did notice, though, by the way. His fingers being cut off from part three, uh, he just has a regular, normal-looking hand. Like yeah, sure. Rocky forgot. <laughs> Who would have guessed? Yeah, big shock. Uh, yeah, so he uh, then challenges uh, Dapio again, uh, but this time says, like, okay, well, you're a stand user then, so present your stand, and then I will meet with you, but to do it down there and uh dapio is kind of like okay shit this guy knows what he's doing uh no other option left uh diavolo realizes who this guy is now so he just uses uh king crimson and starts making his way up there yeah and then giorno and the others realize oh time just skipped yeah. again something's yeah. up they were going up steps and then realized they had ended up like further up yeah um so yeah, Polnareff is uh, kind of panicking, looking around. He knows uh, what Diavolo's up to. And then uh, Dabio starts rounding the corner. But we get the reveal. We get the biggest twist in all of Part 4. It turns out Dabio was Diavolo the whole damn time. Who would have thought? The weird thing is this reveal is not, like, dramatic. Like it, it kind of shifts, yeah. and now he's in his polka dot hair, like, true form, and it's just like, yep, here he is. I mean, they did enough to make it very, very, very obvious. Like, the fact that this was still in some way being treated like it was obfuscated no, no, is ridiculous. It, it, I don't think it was. I mean, just, like, the reveal of his true form, because you don't actually see it until now. Yeah. Yeah, we, we finally get Diavolo-ass Diavolo. Yeah. And uh, so Polnareff has a good plan here, too, which is that he bites into his hand uh, and starts bleeding, and he's counting the droplets of blood to tell when King Crimson is. Yeah, and then just like swings around him with Silver Chariot. Yeah, which doesn't work. Well, kind of does. He manages to wound him, mm -hmm. which is more than anyone else has done. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. Oh yeah, because then he uh, uses that to like spray blood all over Polnareff so it fucks up his uh, blood counting. So... Oh, I thought it was just like, about that. blind him. No, because he says like, oh, you won't be able to count blood now. Oh, okay. Because he's got so much blood on him, he won't be able to, like at this point, he's not going to be able to tell what's getting added to that much blood. Sure, give him all the blood. Or do you like yeah. blood, so here's some blood for your blood. <laughs> Uh, so, Polnareff does a thing here where to get the, uh, the stand arrow away from him, he has, like, King, not King Crimson, uh, he has Chariot, like, jam it into its own eyeball. I'm not sure quite what was going on with this. The, the arrow is in Chariot's eyeball, 
Chariot is turning into like liquid chrome I thought... and is running away. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure if it actually went into his eyeball or if it's like the side of his head. By the way, did you notice um that silver chariot had like sword feet? Yeah. <laughs> Little tiny pointy feet. Yeah. It's great. I love that. Well we were wondering if like Araki would pay attention and actually have the stand reflect Ulnar of Centuries. Turns out he actually did. Yeah. Well, kinda, because I also don't think that it's missing an eye. Well look. I remember right. <laughs> uh it might have been. I'm not sure. Uh, I will look up a picture really fast of uh part five silver chariot. Look, whatever. Great, now you're gonna I'm, see Silver Chariot Requiem. Uh, uh, I don't know what that is because all I'm seeing is just Silver Chariot. Okay, well, okay, so it is. It is missing an arm. It is. It has the tiny pointy legs. Uh, but I can't seem to find. I I think he has both of his eyes still, from what I'm seeing. Well, it's a stand. They don't really need eyes. Yeah. Weird that it would reflect like seventy five percent of the damage that was done to Polnareff. I wonder if maybe it's because uh. Polnareff technically still has an eye, he's just blind in it. Uh, yeah, possibly. Like, I don't know. Me either. I can't uh, understand the... what Araki is thinking at all. Most of the pictures I'm seeing of this are of the action statue for it, and I kind of want it now. Because I do really like spiky silver chariot with the it's sword like, legs. It's like what's-her-name from um, Kingsman. It's like hopping yeah. around and slicing guys with it. I mean, if I weren't so sure it now costs a billion dollars, I also kind of want wheelchair Ponref because I really just like the look of Ponref in part four. Okay. Great. I'm into it. This has been Toy so, Corner. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to George's Toy Corner. I bought a Lord Zed action figure. Yeah, of course you did. Five out of five. Um. Yeah, so uh, Silver Chariot's eye or whatever is gouged out, it's running away, and uh, Diavolo at this point's just like, okay, fine, I freeze at you, and that wasn't enough, so I guess I'm just going to have to rat it to you. Yep. Shows his hand on in there. <laughs> so, Ponoref is dying. Uh, we know this because he has a little dust stuff flaking off of him, which is generally the sign that someone is dying in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Used to be. Yeah, Once maybe. upon a time. Here's the thing. They've mentioned a lot that these arrows have some sort of other secret with them other than giving people stand powers. Mm-hmm. It looks like Jorno is stabbing himself with it in the intro. Yep. Silver Chariot got stabbed in the eye with it. So I'm wondering if a stand user either themselves gets stabbed with it or their stand gets stabbed with it if something happens. So my guess right now is that Polnareff is not actually dead and that maybe that did something to save him. Well, we'll find out next week. Yeah. You also said something like Silver Chariot Requiem and the next episode mentions Requiem, so... (laughs) I I don't know what you're talking about. So I'm guessing there's a thing with this. Yeah. We'll find out next week. Yeah. Or like tomorrow or whatever when it actually goes up. Mm, yeah. Uh, we we're we are doing this late. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I, I liked this episode. I think it gave us a pretty decent amount of information that was needed at this point, and it's setting up some stuff that seems pretty interesting. Sure. Plus more Ponoref. Yeah, can't be mad at that. No, it's never a bad thing. So I guess that's so, it for this JoJo. Yeah, huh. Toku Tokusasu time. Roulette. Go down, Clickety-clack down the track. We gotta talk about Tokusasu. So, Larry, I mentioned uh, that I have a copy of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 4, the manga, which came out here recently, like I think last month. Okay. And uh, you know how a lot of these will have kind of author's notes in the back, especially with uh, JoJo's, the uh, Jojonium books. They had very deep dives into, like, Araki's thought process when making characters. And just a lot of these things in general, when you have like author comments, they're somewhat insightful on like, uh, here's what was going through my mind when I made this thing. I would like to read you Araki's author comments from the back of this book. Go for it. There's a lot to be afraid of out there in the world. Here are my top 10 personal fears. <laughs> All right. Number 10, death. Oh. Number nine, organisms that can cling to the ceiling, cockroaches, etc. Number eight, delusions. Number seven, my acquaintances. Number oh. six, getting an unlucky fortune. Number five, <laughs> hospitals. Getting unlucky fortune worse than death. Yep. Number four, destruction of the environment. Well, yeah. Number three, confined spaces. Number uh, two, strangers. Rocky is very concerned about stranger danger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And finally, this is a really good one. And finally, for the illustrious number one spot, the dark. He doesn't mention water anywhere? No! When, when his whole that's, thing was that he drowns himself? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? How is my list different than yours? Uh, pretty different. <laughs> uh, when I was growing up, one day my mother came down with a cold and asked me to help her. She said, would you mind going to the neighborhood doctor to get my medicine? I was waiting in the reception area when the doctor came out and said, all right, Araki-kun, roll up your sleeve. It's time for your shot. (laughs) What? I shouted. I'm not here for me. Just kidding, he said. I'd been terrified, but I also thought it was a hilarious trick. Looking back, (laughs) I think that experience led me to become a manga creator. (laughs) I'll do it. This has been Araki says. Thanks, Araki. And we don't get notes from Suda anymore, so we have to make do. <laughs> yeah. Too bad the next volume will not uh, be out by the time we are done with this. Uh, yeah, that is true. I thought that you would enjoy that. I kept meaning to bring uh, this book back because it's uh, kind of been in my desk at work uh, to read when I have gaps in. Uh, yeah. But 
finally remembered. Well, great. So, it worth it. Resha yeah, Sentai Tokusher, I think, is actually how it's said. Train Power Rangers did not disappoint. No, it did not. <laughs> this was insane. It was. I loved it. I'm trying to even remember where this actually begins because it just there's so much going on. I will it. tell you there's how a... it begins. It begins with a guy in a, a throne, like a granite throne, and mm-hmm. he looks into a mirror. Or no, he just has a vision of like a dog monster in a gothic Lolita outfit, and he says, "Even after all this time, I can't absorb your sparkle." And he looks in a mirror and sees an overlay of the dog monster over him. Yes, he has absorbed this dog monster lady. That is the very first thing you see in this episode. Yeah, and it's already off to a bang. Um, yeah, that I guess it's he absorbed her at some point. I cannot tell if she she looks like a villain, but seems like she's actually good. Yeah, I think so. I think like. She was like corrupted or something And well we see later in a flashback She like turned into a monster and exploded But <laughs> Yeah um, It seems like her good spirit is in him And like trying to keep him from being evil Because mm. he does mention something about hating the darkness But he has a powerful command over well, it Well also his subordinates are like Oh no like she's going to turn him good We need to stop this yeah, uh, including one who you linked me a picture of because uh, you thought she was very pretty. <laughs> I thought it was cool. It's a cool design. It's got like that <laughs> weird like kraken it, thing going through the mask and everything. Yeah, it it is. I actually really really dig that design. I dig the design of all the uh, villainous characters in this. I think maybe more than any other Tokusatsu we have seen so far. Yeah, I don't know why they decided all of the villains should be like Renaissance era French or. Whatever, like you got a plague doctor here, you got a lady with a Marie Antoinette wig. Yeah, it's weird. I love it. Almost, almost took her as like a Southern Belle type, uh, mm. which would kind of maybe make a bit more sense with the training, the the train theming in this. But mm. yeah, none none of them are really explicitly train related. No, they're not train based, but they look dope. Yes. And they the main, look fantastic. The main guy also with the dog spirit in him looks like a Bayonetta villain. Or like maybe yeah. a, maybe like a final form of a Tekken character. You know, like a mm. devil gene. It's weird. Yeah. Uh but the our our main villain, the Emperor, uh Zet or Ket, I think his Zet. name is. I, I Zet. Okay. Uh he's basically done fucking around. Uh, he he has a, a lot of control over this darkness or whatever. It's all very Kingdom Hearts. Uh, and he's finally going to use it, and he's going to take over the terminal, which I think is basically uh, the headquarters of this series' Power Rangers. And he does so, like, immediately. Just sends a whole force of dudes out there, and they just take it over right away. And the theme and song, then we... I, I would just like to mention, the theme song, because I'm seeing it here, has the lyric... Ride that rattling dream. Also, it repeatedly says, be careful not to board late. <laughs> I mean, that's just good advice. Yeah. 
Um, yes, the president. Yes, the president, who is just a dude with a giant, adorable bunny mascot head. Uh-huh. And it's not even that he is actually a bunny and this is supposed to represent it. It's He's just a dude wearing this mask because it gets, like, set off kilter. Yes, it, like, goes sideways. At one point, he, like, he picks up a phone and jams it under <laughs> the head. <laughs> moshi moshi. Uh, <laughs> I love the president so much. The the rabbit president from the tokusazu thing, not the other president. All of uh, the supporting characters in here are the best ones we've seen so far. Yes, because then he goes into the train car that everyone is waiting in, and we not only get our cast of normal Power Rangers characters, but we get a dude in a construction hard hat and cowboy vest. Well, that's one of the Power Rangers. That's Orange Ranger. Yes, uh, but we'll get to him more later, because I think there's more going on with him. Uh, we get, I think, this series' version of an Alpha 5. Like, mm-hmm. I'm assuming that this is, like, a, a robot, but she looks a lot more like a Power Ranger, except she's got, like, lips on the front of her mask. Yes, it's like a smooth helmet, like a, a Daft Punk helmet, uh, yes. but with lips in the middle of it. Yeah, and also, then, like, painted red, and then, like, her visor kind of thing is shaped like a heart. Yeah. I have heard, uh, yeah, she, uh, look, when I posted about watching this, I got a response about that character in particular, and the things that were mentioned were not in this episode, but it seems pretty funny. Well, were they? Apparently it is implied that she is into bondage. <laughs> and like, uh, help the, me. it's, it's supposed to awaken things inside of me is, uh, when I know I have a problem. Yeah, you got so horny there it uh, made your mic cut out. Uh, apparently she is like meant as a joke on like thirsty character designers, so I was told. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, because she uh, behaves in a manner that is like extremely cute and almost like she is kind of coming on to a few of these characters. It's almost Harley Quinn-like, kind of. Yes. Yeah, that that's a good way of describing that. Um, Except not annoying. Then, yeah, well, also we don't get very much of her. I don't know. It could be annoying. I've watched one episode of Well, this you show. never get much um, of these kinds of characters, though. Like, you know, Alpha 5 sure. comes out and he says, like, ay ay ay, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, but then we also get a, another, like, uh, dude who works on this train, um... Who just has a hand puppet that sometimes repeats things that he says. And uh, so the president comes in and he kind of explains like, hey, the terminal got taken over. Uh, The dude with the hand puppet uh, starts. So this is like the first time anyone's met the president. Uh, Yeah, I guess so. I just sent you a picture that I was sent previously. And um, for the listener... It is her, like, on one of the benches in the uh, train, just on all fours. That's... <laughs> I don't know. Tokusatsu, man. It's just... for kids. No one can stop the Tokusatsu train. It's for kid, You know, for kids. Run a train on Alpha 5. <laughs> oh, no. 
Ay, ay, ay. This is the first time I think everybody's meeting the president. Because yes. everyone's shocked that he's a bunny. And, like, he keeps doing this thing where he, like, pulls up at the air behind the, um, the, the, the what ventriloquist like an man. usher. Yeah, ventriloquist dummy man. Conductor. And every time he does this, conductor's the makes, word you're like, looking oh, for. Okay. Well, I didn't think he was a conductor so much as he was, like, an usher or something. It seems like the president, he'd be the conductor. No, president's, like, he's managing the whole terminal. This guy's the conductor of this particular train. I don't understand how trains work. Well, you wouldn't because the U.S. does not have good public transportation or any sort of rail infrastructure. Oh, heavens, no. No, of course not. Yeah. The emperor has already won in America. That's why he's branching out now over to Japan. He's going to crap up their train system. Mm. He's a representative of Amtrak. He's trying to buy them out. Uh... But yeah, he keeps doing this thing where he like pulls up behind him and then the conductor makes like this really weird sort of like squinty bunny face thing. He does this a bunch of times. I think the idea is that he's pulling a noose. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was wondering what was up with that. If it was, I, I had no idea. Because it looks like he's like yanking on a noose and then he like jerks up and like makes a face. I like this idea though that the president has like an invisible noose that he's actually using to strangle his subordinates. Yes, also... When he comes in the car, Pink Ranger, for some reason, has to act out Bunny, like making ears on her head. Uh, also, he says he's not a bunny, he's a rabbit. You think Lady Alpha 5 likes it when the president pulls the noose? Definitely. Oh no. <laughs> we're gonna find her hanging in a hotel closet like David Carradine. I knew you were gonna do it. I knew it was coming. <laughs> Good job. You could uh can time your watch to me making a David Carradine hung while honking it joke. <laughs> I just I'm sorry, this is the funniest form of suicide to me is fucking up while doing autoerotic asphyxiation. Anyway, like if you're dying with your hoot. Bunny president says it's a fun time for everybody. He says they need to get Drill Resha back because yes. also he likes drills. Oh, he loves to drill. And Conductor Guy says, you can't let your personal bias determine what we're going to do. And yeah. the president's like, whatever. Yeah, and I'm the president, motherfucker. You yeah. want a job? We only elicit some ventriloquist. I'll make, the, I'll make the dummy the conductor. How about that? I'm going to like that at all. Uh, yeah, so the, the, the ranchers basically split up. Uh, where the, the five main rangers are going after uh, the the Kraken lady, um, the the one that has, like, the Rita Repulsa staff and the Plague Doctor, and uh, Zet as well, because he does show up to uh, fight them. And then the Orange Ranger goes off to find a dude that looks like basically a Nazi train conductor. Yeah, he's, like, made of metal. It's like kind of Doctor Doom train conductor. Yeah, he actually, I really, really liked his design. I like he his little really mouth flaps. Good, yes, that are like, they the teeth almost make it look like train tracks when his mouth is closed. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's real good. Or like a zipper, actually, is maybe what it looks like more. Um, but this, he, he is out here kind of like 
where a glitter died or got absorbed because he like finds a piece of her Lolita dress. And that's when the Orange Rangers show up and they start Lolita. I don't fucking care. <laughs> they they end up getting into a let me talk about my train cartoon. <laughs> okay. They get into this fight with each other. Uh but kind of like the vibe that I was getting here from him is that he is more of a neutral party in this whole thing, that maybe he had, like... Remember in Power Rangers how Rita Repulsa done fucked up too many times, and so Lord Zed was just like, whatever, this is my operation now? Yeah, I think he's, like, defected from their faction. Like, I think maybe yeah, I... He, he was fond of Glitter, and so then when she got exploded, he left. So that's one possibility. The other I had in my mind was that he was like in the Rita position and then got knocked down by Zet and was probably with him for a bit longer after that. But then the glitter thing is what kind of like has pushed him into a more neutral position. That could be because he does look like the big bad guy. Like the design of him seems like it. Yeah, that is what made me think that he was in charge at some point was just the way that he looked. Mm-hmm. Um, also the fact that like the chick with the reader repulsa staff seems way into darkness yeah. and kind of made it seem like maybe they had a different hierarchy for a while and then this more powerful dude who doesn't like darkness as much uh is not quite meshing with how she thinks things should be run mm-hmm. so because like his subordinates seem concerned Throughout all of this, yeah. Um, but and specifically, they are... the the Kraken Lady seems like she is not on board. Yes, yeah, she. Because at the very she end, she has a, a thing where she's like, "Oh, we have to save save him before it's too late." Yeah, she she seems like she could maybe flip sides as well. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if there is maybe a dynamic with this because they mentioned the sparkle a bunch of times. I wonder if there is like there is this darkness energy and then there's the sparkle or whatever that represents kind of more of a light energy. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that it's a thing where like the main villain is he's got like a lot of darkness inside of him and he's very powerful with that, but he hates that and he wants the sparkle thing. And so he absorbed glitter to get that, but it's you know, backfiring. This... This is sounding very similar to a certain long-running video game series. Possibly. Uh, uh, <laughs> that maybe involves having key blades. Unlocking one's heart and so such. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that's that's generally what I got from it. And so that made me think that the Orange Ranger was actually one of these monster people at a point in time because that obviously is shown to be able to kind of switch between a human form and monster form. Also, the other uh, guy, the Doom guy, does recognize him. Like, when he shows up in the train, he says, like, a different name. He says, like, yeah. Zaram or something. Zalam, I think, is the name of him. Zalamadamadingdong. Yep, got it in one. That's it. Uh, yeah, so I, I kind of get the sense that this the Orange Ranger was one of these these bad dudes at one point but found the sparkle or whatever and that is what allowed him to become a power ranger and so it is possible for these other villainous characters to kind of like come over to the other side that they they themselves maybe could attain a human form by finding their own sparkle or whatever it is well you can also tell he's the one that flipped instead of green ranger in this series because he is number six 
Yes. I mean, that's always kind of changing. Uh, my understanding of Power Rangers is the six one is typically a different color. Yeah, I thought it was always like green or white. That's basically always the one that flips. But I think there's one that's like the Gold Ranger. Um, well, sure. We do see in the preview for the next episode the Green Ranger here. Like, it's this really dumb-looking like train form, yeah, gold shoulder thing. That sort of makes him look vaguely like the Green Ranger from Power Rangers. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. You squint your eyes and, you know, rub some Vaseline over your pupils and you can't tell the difference. Anyway, this is where the best thing in this episode happens. Where Orange uh, Ranger is fighting Dr. Doom Conductor and then he's like, man, I gotta get out of here. And he summons a rain, like just a small bit of rain which obscures him. It looks like he teleported (laughs) away, except actually he moved about 10 feet away and is just like slowly (laughs) crawling on some rocks. Very loudly crawling, too. Like, I'm surprised that this dude didn't turn around and immediately spot him. I'm surprised he did not immediately spot him uh, slightly to his right in his peripheral (laughs) vision. No peripheral vision in that outfit, man. Uh, Yeah, so there's another bit that happens immediately after that, but before it does, uh, our main squad has gotten to the terminal and they do their transformation thing. This is the most elaborate transformation sequence we have gotten in any of these tokusatsu shows that we've watched so far. Is it? They, they Yes, because they have a full-on Ginyu Force sequence that they got to do. That's true. Where they, they first turn, they introduce themselves one by one, and then they all interlock like a train, and then they do big sweeping motions with their arms, and the camera does a tight zoom in on them, and then they are ready to go. Also, and the then song immediately is like, after go, that, go, 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 yeah. go. But the the best part is immediately after that, they get their asses fucking kicked. Yes, like, like as soon as they're done with the transformation, three of them just get like sparks shooting out of their chests. Yeah, like literally the second after the animation finishes. Uh, Kraken Lady is shooting at them with her umbrella gun, <laughs> penguin style. Hold that gun. Uh, but we do get like a good practical ef- uh, effect to that. Like it's actually sparks coming out of their uh, chest. Yeah, there's a really good sweet sequence where like um, the Yellow Ranger is like running across these steps as she's getting shot at, and there are sparks everywhere. It looks cool. Yeah, it's it looks really good. But then like. Five seconds after we get the sparks going out of the chest, we get a terrible CGI explosion. Yeah. There, there's also a part where the Rita Repulsa one, like, drops and, like, makes this crater and a big explosion when when she drops. It's, and then, the yeah. next, obviously, there's no damage there. Yeah, that is what I'm thinking of, where it's, like, a really bad gray, like, smoke effect where they did not mask the red the red ranger properly. Ah, uh, whatever. So, like, it, it cuts, it. like, underneath him in a way. It it looks terrible. But, but, yes, like, we've mostly got bad CGI in this show, like, in a charming way, and this is also charmingly bad. Uh, but I, I mean, think, like, the genuinely good practical effects make up for that, too. And there's also, you know, when these guys are swinging their swords, they're like just wobbling around everywhere oh yeah no, those are just gotta deal with it yeah, they those are made out of rubber yeah uh 
But yeah, so they engage in this fight, and then uh, Zet shows up and just blows everybody away, because again, he is extremely powerful, just does not want to rely on that power. Uh, and that is when uh, the train conductor calls up the Orange Ranger on his cellular phone. Yep. So yeah, you're just dials him up, up on Kick spot. Mobile. <laughs> yeah, he shows up in a side bubble that, like, <laughs> they do the thing where it's like the bubble bumps into the Orange Ranger, so yeah. he like gets knocked to the side. It's really good. I liked it. Yeah, and then he just like stands up and just just starts talking on the phone, and uh, the the monster guy he was fighting turns around and sees this and the orange ranger is just like hey give me a second i got a very it's very important phone (laughs) i love this bit yeah it's a really good bit it's a legitimately good comedy routine um but the rangers have been depowered and zet is trying to absorb the red ranger at this point and is mentioning like oh if i absorb you will you disappear and this is when characters start realizing, oh, there's this possibility that Glitter will disappear inside of him if she has not already. Um, which she hasn't, but they don't necessarily know that. Um, I guess not. At least up until the point where she pops out as a ghost and pushes the Red Ranger away. Um, so I think everybody sees that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Orange Ranger, uh, he takes off his costume and he starts begging the dude he was fighting for help uh just bowing and he's like hey i really need this drill thing back from you i will do anything for you any favor no questions asked just give it back this is literally master shake saying you need this drill (laughs) it took this long we finally got there I really hate to do this, but I earlier tonight, the bit when Sting has on his future underpants and no other clothes, and I started IMing my friend going, Sting, you need these pants! <laughs> and I had to link her that bit from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I miss Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Me too. Uh, so, the... um. He gets the uh, the drill train back from him. Uh, we get this like little bit where he's like, my condition is, and then the Orange Ranger reacts, but we don't actually hear uh, what the condition of this deal is. Right. Um, uh, what do you, you think get, like, a little conversation. I think it's him playing the harmonica later on. Oh. I, I think figured... it was just like, I want you to play your song for me or something like that. I figured like he's going to turn back into a monster form and like join him. Hmm. Because the conversation they kind of have is just him, like, he's like, you've really changed a lot in your time with these humans. Or may- like, oh, you think he you, wants to become, you, like, a human? I think so, because he's like, you know, you've you've changed, you would have never have talked this way to me before, and then the Orange Ranger is just like, I think you're saying that about yourself, because we would not be having this conversation if you had not changed. And then he kind of mentioned something about finding the sparkle. So I think this is his moment where he's kind of like fully changing sides. And so I think that he offers him a real softball deal that's like very sentimental. And it's just like, you know, play your play your song for me, play your instrument. I know that you we've known each other. You used to do that all the time. I want to hear that again. And then I'll give you this drill thing back. That's why I think it's going on. All right. My, that's my prediction. Okay. 
find out if I watched more of this show, which <laughs> I might. Uh, yeah. I, this, had, this actually has more going on, I think, than any of the other Tokusasias we've watched. Uh, pr- probably, yeah. Like, it seems like they've they've set more lore up here than the others have kind of let on. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, anyway, they, they show up. The main thing was they needed to get all these trains back. They were only missing the one, but they need a, a full squad in order to take the terminal back, uh, which they now have. Uh, they unite. They form their Megazord. And we get an actual honest-to-God giant fight in the city that is entirely practical effects. Yep. Well, dudes in costume. It, yeah, it's guys in suits. There are CGI things in here, but yes. But yeah, we we do get uh, an actual like at no point are these not dudes in suits. Mm-hmm. A first for this segment. Um, but yeah, they they make short work of the uh, of the other villains, like very short. This fight does not go on very long. No, and uh, uh, the other ones that... also. So they form the Megazord, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but the other ones also form a bigger form, but they just do it by like merging. They they don't have like some sort of transformation sequence. Sure, they walk into each other like the characters in Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just melt. The uh, the horny robot says this is intensely the best when they form the Megazord. Uh, horny robots definitely into it. Oh, definitely. Man. As this robot's butt still on my screen, by the way, just in case you were curious. Yeah. I've not minimized his... Um, yeah, so the the status quo is uh, is basically back. You know, they, they got access to the terminal. Um, the uh, rabbit president has his uh, helmet off, but we don't actually see his face. No. Oh, and then the emperor. Who do you think it's going to be? Do you think it's it's going to be a big reveal like it's Zet or like a clone of him or something like his twin brother? Hmm. It's Tommy Oliver. Yeah, finally. No, it's actually White Ranger. White Ranger flew to Japan and just decided to start wearing this rabbit mask (laughs) thing for some reason. He got way into trains. Uh huh. Look, I'm Uh, way into trains. Thanks to uh, my pal Dankwraith. Follow Dankwraith. Tells you all about trains. He loves them. This is uh, your Mastodon recommendation for the podcast. You've used up your one. Yep, that's okay. It's worth it. All you're allowed. <laughs> that's actually probably why I mentioned him before. Like somebody brought up that I had mentioned him and I had no idea why I would have. And it was probably because we were talking about this show. Ah. Uh. Uh, but yeah, uh, we get the bit where the Orange Ranger is playing a harmonica. Um, city's destroyed, by the way. They do like this panning shot, and there's just like straight up destroyed buildings and infrastructure. Yeah, it's like the end of Akira. <laughs> the yeah. horny robot turns into her own universe. Finally. That's the universe I want to be in. Ayo. This is intensely the best, she says right before the credits kick in. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or it's just flashing through time and space. I also really like this part Eyeball. where the Megazord explodes the bad guy and then just like poses, leaning to the left as fire yeah. rages behind him. 
that was a thing that happened in Power Rangers like fairly often, if I remember. Yeah, right. I don't know. It's just I, I like they still do it. Yeah, well, sort of like that. That uh, Lupin Ranger, they didn't do anything like that. Mm, yeah, there wasn't any. Dilger, um, they did. There wasn't any giant robot thing in Lupin Ranger, the episode we saw. No, was there, there was. No, oh. there definitely was. Like it was entirely CGI. Like that was the first time we were just like, "This is bullshit." That is oh, not. Oh yeah, suit. yeah. Okay, I remember it now. And I, as far as I'm aware, they did not do like a cool like Power Rangers esque Megazord pose at the end of that. Yeah. So I think that's something that they either pushed away from, or it's just very inconsistent. Mm. Um, but yeah, that that was a thing I want to say from. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Um, whatever the Japanese equivalent of that is, I don't know the name of it. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying. I don't think anything else happens other than we we are back at the villain's lair, and this is uh, when we get the bit where the Kraken lady is uh, concerned about glitter, and then uh, the Rita Repulsa lady, like, just straight up, it's just like, yo, you're a fucking bad manager, dude. You could have killed them all. What the hell? Yeah, and then we get the rangers back on the train who are like, oh, that was glitter. Yeah. Why was she in Zed? Uh, they're they all uh, beat up and horny robot is playing doctor, which, again, probably into it. Uh-huh. By the way, we You know, not now, mentioned... now that I know that thing with the with the robot, surprised they didn't cram her into her nurse outfit during that, considering... <laughs> Everything else. Okay. We have not mentioned Red Ranger's name is Wright, which I like. Oh, yeah. Uh, this show seems great. Well, I, I've seen gifts and little hints of this show, and it seemed real dumb and perfect for this thing that we are doing, but this actually might be my favorite one. Yeah. And, and then the very last thing before everybody's train corner is... uh. Orange Ranger playing his harmonica. Yeah. And then Everybody's, everybody's train corner. I don't, I don't know what this is. It's just people saying, like, let's ride together until we reach your station. Yeah. It's the credits. I think that's just what they call their credits. I don't know if it's like popping up little train facts in the corner or something that, like yeah, that. Yeah, that was what I was like wondering. It's just... Obviously, it's the credits, but I I can't read this. Me either. Next episode has a Kogal in it. Kogal? Mm-hmm. I don't know how you'd pronounce it. Uh, so that's okay. Yeah, no. I, I'm maybe going to try to watch some more episodes of this thing. I've said that about other animes and tokusasus, and unfortunately I've not been great about following through on that, because hey, a lot of other stuff to look. Better Call Saul, I've been putting off for a long time. Now that's a show. Yes, it is. Uh, okay, and let's... Yeah, I think, I, I think I'll make a good effort for this one let's roll for next week we're gonna go uh one through six at five which is common rider x aid mm. how many more on the roulette are tokusasus versus how many are animes there are two animes Okay. We still have Black Clover and Majin Bone. I mean, I'm liking the way this roulette works, or it mm-hmm. looks rather. Mm-hmm. Like, 
high probability tokusasus, which so far have had a batting average of a hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Kamen uh, versus Rider, anime roulette. Common Rider X Aid has forty-five episodes. I'm also going to try bring up. Oh, good, they're back. Taking a mower break. Uh, Dude, just like kicking in your door, weed whacker going, <laughs> just yelling, hey, you need your weeds whacked! Whack your weeds for you! The guy next to us has like one of those ridiculous, like giant zero turn lawnmower things, which. Oh, great. Yeah. They're pretty loud. My grandpa, my grandpa had a, a riding mower. Okay. She, talk well, we... about excess. Well, it depends on how big your yard is. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, he had a gigantic yard. It was actually very worthwhile for him. But uh, yeah. as a kid, I was always psyched about that because I'd get to ride on the riding mower. Sure. Which for yeah. like a five-year-old, it's neat. Well, you know, it's still kind of fun. You can just ride around out there and get stuff done. Yeah, sure. I mean, don't feel actually, like you have to say moment. anything while this is going no, on. No, no, no. I actually, I, I miss having a yard to mow. It was good exercise, and I got to listen to music while I was doing it. You know, get some fresh air, some sun. Like, Well, there are 45 episodes. What number do we start at? 20? 22. 22. 22. 20. 38. Okay. Uh, and now I'm going to look and see what this is. Period of Tears. And they thought oh, they no. these guys like in insurgent outfits. Oh no. Yeah, I I don't know about this. I'm afraid she died on the operating table. Uh she just lost all... the will to live. Yeah. The thing is, this is between two episodes. The one before it is White Knight's Resolve and has a White Knight, uh, like, slashing a guy with a sword. And the one after it is Goodbye, Me, and has two commentators, like, <laughs> shaking hands. So, I don't know. We might have gotten a dud here, but we'll see. Episode 38. I... I find it hard to believe that we could have any Tokusatsu episode of any series that is a total dud. There's a character in this that looks like Blackjack. Uh, Wait, is this all Doctor-themed? That might explain I'm extremely into it if the whole theme of this Tokusatsu is Doctors. I thought it was a video game-themed, honestly. Doctor House just pulling out a fucking Power Rangers buckle. Well, like... I don't know if you've probably seen this common writer, but it's the one that's like, it's like splatoon colored and it has like a video game controller on his chest. So I thought it was all game themed, but this might actually be like just all doctors. Oh man. Okay. Dr. House has to get into the Megazord and fight lupus because Rita Repulsa made it grow big. There's a thumbnail here that is just like three guys in lab coats with common writer buckles. Just show me this. Just link me this thing. Uh, okay. You described it already for the people at home, but I need to see this. There you go. Uh, oh, man. And the description for this episode says, uh, Kuroto's father is released from prison, and Hiro's father <laughs> becomes a ride player. 
Let's bring your dads to work day on the next episode of Stand and Deliver. There's an episode called The Completely Invincible Gamer. Uh, Actually, no, that's very appropriate considering when we do record that episode, it will be Father's Day. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, well, anyway, episode 38, period of tears. Uh, gamers rise up. All right. We live in a common writer society. Yeah. Common writers are going to fight Gamergate? I don't know. I'm so confused. Well, we'll see you next, next time. Next week, on. I'll have all the answers. We'll see you next week on Stand and Deliver. Okay, have we stopped? Because I need to. I need to talk to an artist uh, about commissioning uh, something with the horny robot. Yeah, we're done. Okay, good. Um, let me let me just start typing this message up. Send me more pictures of her because they're going to need uh, references. Okay, here's um, any poses you want. Well, it's probably a good idea to have a lot of variation, so really whatever you can find. I'm not sure. Big. Okay. Dino, uh, somehow in, in Dino's mind, put um, the Elephant Man together with, with Dune. And um, he called me and uh, asked me if I would read this book. I wasn't 100%. Um, I, I don't know quite how that happened. That's my one... Uh, in my mind, uh, big failure, and um, but I learned a tremendous amount on that film. I love Dino. I love his daughter Rafaela. I love the cast and crew, and I love Mexico City. I was down there for a year and a half. Uh, Dune took three years to make, start to finish. Um, but it was a nightmare, and it was a nightmare. Some of the uh, special effects and so forth got very cheap. They ran out of money. And no, in a lot of those cases, he didn't get what he wanted. And um, they just didn't have the money for it. Um, I mean, there are descriptions in the screenplay of uh, folding space, which are just gorgeous. And I know he would have loved to have done. And, and, and uh, you know, had the film done, been done a few years later, he could have he could have had and they would have been gorgeous. David directs um, in, for different people in different ways. For me, it had a lot to do with imagery. He'd say, more like a wind. Or he'd say, think about Elvis. Or he'd say, 
sometimes nothing at all. There'd just be a moment, pause, and we'd sort of stare at the ground together and look at each other and sort of nod. And then and he loves to direct from behind the camera, so you'll hear his voice from time to time. Which is fun, because then it becomes a challenge, is who can make who laugh first. So, he, you know, he laughs and sometimes ruins the take, and sometimes I hear get me. That's just a, that was just a friendly, the friendly process. It was huge. Uh, you know, everybody talks about uh, things, um, uh, many, many crews, uh, uh, lots of things going on at the same time, and um, it, was, it was a big uh, production. That principal photography lasted six months, and models, miniatures, you know, special effects photography lasted s another six months. So, um, I didn't have final cut on that film. So, I didn't have final cut on the Elephant Man either. But Mel, in effect, gave it to me, and so that's the big lesson: don't make a film if it can't be the film you want to make. It's a joke, and, and a sick joke, and it'll kill you.